Hello and welcome to another episode of Dig Deep, the podcast about sport, faith, and life. I'm Brian Bolt, kinesiology professor and men's golf coach at Calvin College. And I'm Chad Carlson, uh, kinesiology professor and director of general education at Hope College. And we're coming to you from the audio studio of Our Daily Bread, the ministry that develops resources, biblical resources, that are distributed all throughout the world to better your relationship and my relationship to God. We're very thankful, as always, to be housed right here in the Our Daily Bread audio studio. Thanks very much for, uh, for allowing that to happen, and we want to thank Our Daily Bread every time we get a chance. Today is opening, it's the opening day of the World Series, right, Chad? Yeah, this is exciting. It's a big time of year for sports. We've had uh, the championship series on both sides. The media is thrilled because... Two very large market teams have made it to the World Series, the Los Angeles Dodgers and, of course, the Boston Red Sox. Do you have a favorite? You know, I, I guess I'm more of a National League guy, and so I, I sort of usually pull for them in the World Series and the All-Star game, but um, I don't feel any particular connection to the Dodgers, and historically the Red Sox always have a lot to offer, and so I, I'm sort of torn. I'm a Tiger fan, and it feels like most of the Tigers that were – unable to complete a championship, have moved over to the Red Sox. I don't know whether to root for them or not. I'm kind of stuck with that. It's also fall here in uh, West Michigan in the United States and a place where uh, we're just used to the weather changing. The leaves have uh, turned to brown and gold and and, uh, given us a very different look. Going into the winter, Chad, uh, how how does your sport life change? Well, I tell you, football continues to dominate, obviously, through the holidays, uh, for me at least, uh, as it is probably for a number of Americans. But uh, basketball season beginning is also sort of an exciting time. And, you know, what's interesting is that really for me, uh, the last few years in the NBA, it's been like one player driving all of the early season interest, right? It's one player going to a new team, uh, for instance, LeBron James this year. And uh, it just presents some new storylines, some new narratives. Yeah, I think that that um, partially is pushed by the media. You know, the smaller market teams don't get nearly as much attention. But it is interesting to see LeBron James uh, try to start something new out there in Los Angeles. 0-3, I think, at this point. Hopefully he uh, kind of gets things going, going again. I think the favorites have changed certainly in the Eastern Conference, but out there Golden State is still uh, king of the hill. Sounds like it for the for the Lakers. Maybe all's well that ends well, but I, I have a hard time seeing them being able to dethrone the Warriors this year. I don't know. It's just me. So college basketball is also uh, sort of, it's very close. We're getting to that moment where colleges have midnight madness, this sort of opening ceremony where uh, there's an opportunity for fans to get excited and greet the teams. And we're all kind of familiar with the big names in college basketball. One of them Obviously, uh, North Carolina, yeah. my alma mater. I thought this might be a weak transition to North Carolina. It's a strong one, actually. <laughs> it works really well. I was trying to make my way over to Stanford for a particular reason, ah, but thanks much very much important. for much interrupting. <laughs> yeah. So the reason we bring up Stanford is because uh, we're going to stop talking here soon and get to our guest for today. Uh, we are thrilled to welcome to the Dig Deep podcast the Reverend Dr. Joanne Sanders. She is the Associate Dean for Religious Life and a priest in the Episcopal Church, and she works at Stanford University. Welcome, Joanne. 
well, thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Thanks for the opportunity. And I, I, I will confess um, that I'm actually wearing some Boston Red Sox. Um, You're wearing paraphernalia. I am. I am. I've I've let it out of the bag and I've made my confession. So there you go. <laughs> well, fortunately, you haven't offended anybody too much here. We won't we won't hang up <laughs> at this point. No Yankees fans in the room. Well, and and it sounds like you're you're a bit of a baseball fan. Are, have you been following the Red Sox for a while? You know, I have been following the Red Sox. Um, they're the American League team of choice, and and of course, uh, love the San Francisco Giants. But uh, you know, they're they had a short season, and and that's okay. So, uh, do you I'm have a, now I'm now following the Red Sox. Yes. Do you have a favorite player on the Red Sox? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, I I probably don't. Uh, not at, not at the at the moment. I've always loved Dustin Pedroia, but you know, you know, they move on, right? I mean, things yeah, change, and you're, you kind of stick with the team. And uh, yeah. well, yep. we're gonna wish him well going into this. I imagine we'll have one or two podcasts because you know the World Series takes a long time to unfold. So yes, it's it possible does. we'll have another opportunity to do that. Can you tell us a little bit more about really your interest in sport, where it came from, and and, uh, how you ended up kind of in a position where you deal with sport on a college campus? You know, I've been um, really since since I was little. uh, I think I, you know, I grew up with brothers and uh, grew up in western New York. Um, So I, I think for a long time, Sport and play has been uh, a big passion of mine, and it, it's something that has really stayed with me even in my professional life. I mean, prior to my coming to Stanford and being here and working in the capacity of an Episcopal priest on campus and a, a associate dean for religious life, I was involved in intercollegiate athletics for you know about ten years as a collegiate tennis coach and. And uh, collectively, 20 years, you know, teaching and coaching, uh, both in higher education and then and then really on my own as a as a tennis teaching professional. So, it's really it shaped my life in enormous ways and impacted me very very deeply to be, uh, you know, both uh, a competitor and a participant and and then as a coach and a teacher. And, and I've just, I've said to people in, in coming to Stanford in 2000, I was asked to, because of my background, I have a master's degree in sports administration, I was asked to really build, you know, some sustaining relationship with the athletic program here. Um, and, you know, I've endeavored to do that ever since I've been here. So I say that I'm a different kind of coach these days in some ways. and. And among many things that, that the university asked me to do in my role, um, I've continued to have that sustaining uh, relationship with the athletic department uh, to the point that when I made the decision to pursue a doctor of ministry, I really had the opportunity to think about uh, what I would do in relationship to my project, my dissertation, and, and I really wanted to see that dovetail in some way with my interest in intercollegiate sport and um, my, you know, my life now as uh, a spiritual and religious leader on campus. So I decided to, to, uh, to 
to, to kind of take on a project that allowed me to interview students on campus, both student athletes and, and people who were active in religious and spiritual communities as a way to kind of dig deeper into questions of meaning and purpose and, and how that animates their life, um, you know, particularly as a student athlete. So, Joanne, you've got degrees in physical education, sports administration, and ministry. This seems like a job where you're using all three of those things, and it seems like a rather uncommon mix. Can you talk about some of the ways in which uh, you've, you've dealt with some, some more difficult issues on campus? This doesn't seem like, for instance, these degrees uh, is a, a natural connection, right, where we oftentimes see sports as pulling away our interests from for instance, uh, ministry or faith or academics, and yet here you are in the midst of all of it on a campus that really prides itself on, on being academically strong. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and I, appreciate, I appreciate that question very much, and it's a good observation because I have to say that when I first arrived on campus here, at, you know, the, the question, and, and honestly the question in my heart, uh, every day still, uh, as it was today when I came on campus and as it was the first day I came on campus is, how do I be a priest in this place? And I think that um, as as simple as that question is, of course it's more complicated when you're in a secular environment. And I think that I have been uh, put in a place where I'm able to, to the best of my ability, help others translate um, perhaps theological questions or existential questions about, you know, who am I and what is my purpose in life, and have as a background some sort of sense of openness and um, opportunity to to actually have conversations that um, you wouldn't necessarily, I suppose, expect. Um, on a high-octane academic campus uh, like Stanford. Um, and, and, of course, one could presume that there's, you know, religion or religious belief is, is perceived as anti-intellectual. Um, but, but I think that, that it's, it's really, um, there's a synthesis and, and there's a compatibility that uh, has really animated my work here, uh, and I've continued to try to do that in 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 many many ways over the years that I've I've served here on campus, and giving permission to you know students, staff, and faculty to ask some of those deeper questions of life and of themselves. Um, sometimes we we get to some deeper theological conversations and. And, and sometimes we don't, but I, I think the availability of being in a place where I'm able to do that with, with a sense of openness and freedom has been a real gift. It's been a real gift to me, and I hope it's been a gift to the community. Well, thank you, Joanne. It sounds like you're doing some, some excellent and, and yet complex work as you're interacting with people. You, you talked about those difficult, larger, existential types of questions that uh, come up with students, and you have opportunities to sort of explore those things. Sure. And as a uh, as an intellectual, then you're you're bringing a particular perspective into the higher education environment that sometimes gets pushed away, and mm-hmm. you're not seeing uh, the development of the intellectual side or part of a person being 
um, ultimately a separation from spirituality. In fact, it can enhance it. When we think about sport now, it's really mm-hmm. kind of interesting to uh, see this sort of assumed symbiotic partnership between a person's faith and their sport, this connection, somehow my faith helps me. Um, And yet, I think you've also uh, sort of expressed and written about some struggles people have had as, uh, as we think about both the strengths and weaknesses of sport in, uh, in our spiritual lives. I've, uh, I've often said I both uh, confess and proclaim to loving sports. Both of those things seem to be true. Mm. Can you tell us about how that has settled in your life? Mm. Yeah, I I think you know there there obviously has has been been for me some struggle with um, you know really being able to you know like anything and i and i think of this as even even my role i'll speak for myself as a religious leader but i think it's healthy when uh we can look at those things that we proclaim or or give us passion or give us really a sense of purpose with some eye toward critique and i i think about that both relative to as I look at it and as I engage it and have engaged it in many different ways and I look at it uh, the same way in terms of theological uh, understanding and and religious belief and practice that I think there's both and that that we can uh, it's healthy for us to to both proclaim but also have a willingness and an eye toward critique uh, about how both in both instances those situations could be holding us back or uh, perhaps harming us in some way. Can you speak to this a little bit more deeply? I'm looking at some things that you've written, and you've, you've referred to uh, your connection to sport as both reverent and reluctant, as <laughs> both passionate and perplexed, as yep. both ambitious and ambivalent. I love those descriptions, and I wonder if yeah. you can explain those. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I you know I think on um, you know for an ex- as an example, when I um, was doing my graduate work in sports administration, you know I chose to again do um, a final thesis paper on career development in student athletes. Hmm. So. And to make to to be brief, really uh, the the perplexity that I could I could speak to on this issue is that I also feel like you know there there's a there's a temptation for there to be over identification uh, in 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 any particular kind of identity. I happen to believe that as human beings we have multiple identities, and I think in in athletics and sport in particular, uh, one of my critiques and uh, ambivalence has been about the fact that it's it's very easily something that can be over-identified with to the point that um, the young men and women that I work with on this campus, um, uh, I want them and we want them to flourish in understanding who they are holistically as a complete person and so to, to see themselves only for example, as an athlete, uh, of which in many of my conversations, both in my 
doctoral project and just as I meet and talk with student athletes on a day-to-day basis. Um, certainly at a place like Stanford, they are uh, can be overwhelmed in that identity. Uh, they've grown up uh, probably since they were very little, uh, being very competitive uh, and, and and training uh, uh, for a lifetime to, to make them the kind of elite and accomplished athletes they are. So the question and the critique is often, how do we pull out of one another uh, more of those identities that really complete who we are as a human being? And, and so that's an example of one complexity and one sort of uh, point of ambivalence that, I've, that I often think about as I've, I've done this work over the years and, and been engaged with it on a, on a number of different levels. So we're talking to the Reverend Dr. Joanne Sanders at Stanford University. And Joanne, I wonder if we can push farther on this issue. We have at Stanford, which is uh, among, if not the most productive uh, athletic department across the country in terms of national championships year in and year out, who's right. getting cream of the crop students as well with high academic standards. We know yes. th- that the NCAA is there to, in some sense, try to protect students from this role engulfment and the 20-hour the rule, or, or, which, which may or may not be a, a facade on certain campuses, but the idea that we want students to be able to be students as well. What are some of the issues that you're seeing on campus that you're uh, dealing with, with students and trying to find these multiple identities or trying mm-hmm. to help them to avoid engulfing themselves in simply their athletic identity? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I have to say that, that um, I... You know, I I do marvel at uh, and and admire very deeply how, uh, in particular, so many of our student athletes are able to do what they're able to do here at Stanford. And I I think that um, it it goes without saying, and this is true historically about this university, that it is truly and always been committed to a very very high academic standard. And and I would say in in my work and relationship with the athletic department. I marvel at the fact that they still, um, you know, even though it, you know, all of us could technically say that that collegiate athletics, it's, uh, I know one athletic director uh, many years ago that used to be here used to to refer to it as the arms race, you know, that that the chips just keep getting higher and higher. and, And I have to say how how difficult that can be, and yet how uh, Stanford has really been able to hold very steady and be very persistent about making sure that historically those standards that define Stanford uh, and define the athletic program at Stanford have been continually held up as um, students that come here, um, all students, but particularly student-athletes, they know that they come here to to get an education, and uh, and that is something that is is continually emphasized and held before them. And so, like anything else, um, you know they they've got to do the work that every other student is doing on this campus to achieve the kind of academic standards that faculty expect, and and ultimately for them to to leave Stanford uh, with a degree. And um, uh, it's a, quite a high percentage of our student athletes that do, in fact. I don't have those figures at the tip of my hand here, but I've looked at them, and I know that that is consistently true year after year. 
Yeah, and it's hard for us to tell from a distance uh, exactly whether or not these standards are being upheld throughout time, but what we can see certainly is the success, the repeated success uh, competitively of Stanford University Athletics. And so that's really quite marvelous, uh, as you've described it, to be able to not sacrifice one for the other, which right. is often the argument, right? You'll hear right. very often that in order to compete, yeah. we're going to have to relax this or that. And Stanford, for one, it sounds like, has been able to at least maintain uh, its allegiance to a particular model and uh, continue to you know, push students to be able to rise to that level of expectation. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm wondering then, when the pressure just gets a little too great or when mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe some uh, some particular uh, personal concern grows to a point where a student athlete thinks about getting out of a sport and they're so tied to that identity. Can you think of an instance yeah. or two where you have even done some personal counseling and maybe even counseled somebody back into a sport or or po potentially out of a sport mm -hmm. because you thought it was the right thing for them holistically. Yeah. Absolutely and 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 I I I will tell you that I've I've done all of those things, you know, over the years and um you know, we would be um it would be you know, unrealistic for for us to think about and for me to think about the fact that um as many many on many campuses, our students are struggling immensely with with all kinds of things, uh, the pressures, the stresses, but also college, university life being such a formative time, as, as we all know. So, um, you know, realistically, those those challenges and those, those kinds of things are present for our Stanford students and our student athletes. And I've had those kind of conversations uh, with students over the years, and, and also in particular, um, you know, sometimes the harder ones, of course, as we can can imagine this, is, is when either a student athlete uh, suffers a, you know, a career-ending injury uh, or um, just an injury that, that takes them out for any length of time. I think those are all moments when there's, uh, I like to think of it as a, a vulnerability, uh, as a human person that you're suddenly in a place that you haven't been before and and you're um, you know you're taken out of a situation that has really framed your life uh, structured your life in a particular way and now you've got to ask some deeper questions about how do I uh, get through this uh, who do I reach out to to help me get through this um, and you know so I, I think students have Student athletes have engaged me and others in those processes, depending on um, who sort of they think about as as people that they want to engage with those larger questions. We're talking to the Reverend Dr. Joanne Sanders. She is the Associate Dean for Religious Life and a priest in the Episcopal Church. She works for Stanford University doing a wide array of things, but one of those things is to interact with student athletes. And Joanna, can I just pick up on that last uh, point you made about sure. really bodies, uh, this idea that uh, we are holistic creatures and our bodies break down. Mm -hmm. I understand that when we get to a certain point in athletics and something potentially catastrophic or career-ending has happened, there are decisions to be made. 
have you felt yourself from a from a spiritual leader standpoint weighing in on some of those things pro, more proactively for instance the concussion conversation in American football mm. uh, and people are starting to make decisions certainly families are making decisions about the body yeah. they may not be making those decisions from a faith perspective but have you felt the interest for the the church to weigh in on that and and uh, I'm kind of putting you on the spot but where have you sort of come down on that mm. oh gosh um, you know again it it's uh, it, it I, I will have to say very honestly it's it's extremely concerning to me and and concussions now as we know um, uh, of course they they have been more widely known and prevalent in football um, uh, I'm also very aware uh, of, of other know, sports sure sports like soccer uh, you know it, it, it is it's really um, you know, basketball I mean you name it. Uh, it, it, it it's a prevailing it's a prevailing concern and um, I you know, I think that um, I can't uh, certainly, you know, ever tell anybody what to do. I mean, ultimately, the decision is going to be up to uh, uh, an individual under, you know, serious advisement. And 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 I know that um, there have been, you know, student athletes here and other places that have retired because of concussions and have had to make that choice. Uh, Stanford, you know, no one here is has any interest in putting anybody in at any further risk, and and that's another thing that that as as challenging as it is, um, um, that's something that Stanford takes very seriously. They've actually been doing some interesting research around it, and um, uh, football team, you know, doing various things with with helmets and and sort of virtual studies about. Uh, what's happening, you know, with the head and all of that. So there's there's a lot of care and concern uh, with ultimately knowing there's also a lot of risk that still is evident in, in these sports, especially high-contact sports. So I, you know, it's a tough one for me because I understand uh, what's happening with, uh, you know, young girls, boys, men, women putting putting themselves uh, really on the line and, and at risk. And um, as a lover of sport, it also uh, creates a level of complexity. And uh, for me, it's, it's a, a level of honesty that I'm not afraid to say that um, in particular with football, I, I think just nationwide, uh, I, I have been one of those persons that um, has 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 really been somewhat critical of 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 how football uh, over the years is really not, and I'm talking at a national level uh, up up into the professional level has not really dealt with this. I think with full honesty um, and and protection and care for, in particular, you know, in most cases, men that have been harmed for a lifetime. The, the concussion issue has certainly been prominent in, in the, the social narrative recently uh, related to football and, as you said, uh, other sports as well. Uh, you've been able to create and develop some coursework uh, that has to do with social issues and sport and identity mm -hmm. for not just student-athletes but students overall. And it mm -hmm. seems that 
on a lot of, of campus that are not necessarily relig- uh, related to a, a religious institution or a religious practice, that oftentimes it's faith-based groups on those campuses that are able to carry the torch in some way for social justice of, of one slant or another. Mm-hmm. And I wonder how much of... Uh, how much of of your of what you're doing at Stanford has to do with you know not just the promotion of of a student's particular religious perspective and allowing them to grow in that way, but also maybe uh, picking up on some social issues and and using your platform through Religious Life uh, Office mm-hmm. uh, to be able to promote some of that as well. Well, I, I it's it's really a, a timely. Uh, question, and I, I haven't gotten good enough to distinguish your two voices. Was that Chad or Brian? <laughs> well, if it started smart, it was probably Chad. But if it was a nice, if it was a good voice, it's probably Brian. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Who asked that? that Who was brought Ch- that up? That was Chad. Yes, that okay, was Chad, thank you. Because actually, this Thursday evening, uh, one of the things that, that uh, classes that I have been a part of uh, teaching, co-teaching here on campus has been a class on gender and sports. And um, and there are many many issues that we address. And this year, this academic year, my uh, teaching uh, colleague and I decided because we're not teaching the class this year in the academic curriculum, we're actually doing a year-long speaker series. And really, the objective, ultimately, in this speaker series is is to really uh, bring some some issues to the forefront and um, and and some of those issues happen to be um, and again gender and sports just you know we, we often remind people it just isn't about it doesn't have to be you can care about gender and sports and, and it's not only women that care about gender and sports our intent is that there there that there are and there will be men in this conversation with us but part of that is to ultimately say, what kind of social impact and change can we affect so that it's not just about we're bringing uh, a number of different speakers um, you know, to campus to talk about various issues like mental health uh, in student athletes, uh, inclusion and diversity uh, among uh, collegiate athletics, um, Title IX and, and, and equity and access, uh, some of those questions that, uh, that come up continually around uh, sports and athletics. So ultimately our objective here is that at the end we hope to create some kind of a plan uh, working with the students that we've engaged with uh, in this series to say, What's our responsibility for the greater good as it relates to the questions that are prevalent in, you know, the intercollegiate athletic world and even in the professional world? So that's that's an example of something that I hope will uh, that the Office of Religious Life and my role. I we are one of the sponsoring. Uh, offices, departments on campus, among a number of other uh, uh, departments and campus, uh, campus colleagues, uh, student affairs, uh, the Gender Institute, uh, residential education, of course, athletics. Uh, so, and the other issue, of course, that, that we're going to be addressing uh, in November is sexual assault and violence uh, in intercollegiate uh, sport and professional sports. So, 
there's some, you know, some, some, some big issues that we're trying to tackle uh, in that conversation through the course of the academic year. Those are some uh, large issues, and it reminds both Chad and I of the upcoming Global Congress that we'd like to invite you to. This uh, Global Congress is set for October 23 through 27, 2019, where we will be unpacking many of the issues that you've already uh, so artfully brought up uh, and in the complexity that they deserve. And uh, also uh, sort of arranging it as a speaker series in many ways, bringing in uh, top voices from around the world, really. It's a global Congress to be mm-hmm. able to speak into these issues, and we'd love to have you yeah. there. Um, yeah. So we're we're getting near the end of, of the time that we have today, and I, I, I don't want to leave you without giving you an opportunity to, to maybe open up uh, a conversation that we haven't touched on yet. Uh, one thing that you haven't mentioned yet or we haven't mentioned was your work with the Olympics, and I'm, I'm actually pretty intrigued with how that went. If, could you just give us a little snapshot on that, and then if there are other uh, topics you'd like to touch on before Chad gets to the speed round. Uh, sure. Let's sure. try that. Well, the you know the the 2002 Olympic Games in Salt Lake City, uh, you know that's obviously one of those experiences in your life that you'll never forget. It was the first Olympic Games, um, you know, uh, following 9/11, and and they of course happened. You know, it was here. You know, hosted in the United States, so. Um, it was a pretty remarkable moment, and and the fact that it, I was with a team of, you know, chaplains and people from across all religious traditions and representations. Uh, the Olympics are a global, international event, and I have to say um, how how moved uh, I was the evening that. Uh, I was on duty uh, in the Olympic Village as the, the all of the athletes were getting ready to process into the stadium for the opening ceremonies. And there was that moment, uh, as we're living in that time historically, of uh, a, a very frightening time, uh, a very uncertain time. Uh, and to see sport sort of capture this moment of um, a pause, and a suspension of fear and even of um, um, hate toward toward one another, and to see all of these athletes together in one place and actually there, um, you know, to make some friendship with one another as uh, competitors, as Olympic competitors, and be kind of suspended in this incredible moment. Um, that was really striking to me. And I think that's another topic of conversation that certainly others have already begun to talk about is just the um, the possibilities in sport and the, the modeling in sport for all of the things that we maybe do in fact struggle with and question sometimes about sport, but still it being this one place uh, where we have the opportunity to bring diversity uh, together in a way that that uh, is is getting increasingly difficult in our world. So that was a, just a profound experience for me uh, to 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 have that moment and to have that symbolism there uh, in Salt Lake City. And that was 16 years ago. You know, so we talk about the the, the remarkable uh, ability sport has to create meaning in our lives, and certainly. In the months after 9/11, it was especially prominent. Um, I'm thinking again of 
this time of year with baseball and football and how important that was in big cities. But to the U.S. to, to host this mega sporting event to the world, you know, just months after that had occurred, seemed like quite a meaningful experience. It also seems like some of the social narratives have, have changed over the last 16 years. I'm thinking about how we how we're discussing concussions now, how we're discussing sexual assault on campus, specifically uh, related to athletics. So much of that has changed, has it not, Joanne? Uh, very much so, uh, definitely. And and I I think that we we in who have the the opportunity to inhabit the world of sport and athletics, um, you know, I I believe also have tremendous responsibility to to really um, pay attention and and speak up to how so much of it has changed and and what's our responsibility to to bring uh, whatever voice and perspective we can bring uh, in I think some 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 pretty both glorious but also really challenging moments. Well, we've definitely dug deep today, that's for sure. And uh, so for this next speed round, this set of questions here for you, uh, Reverend Dr. Joanne Sanders, we're going to dig <laughs> a little shallower, but a little bit wider. Okay. So sure. we're, we're asking for the first answer that comes to your mind. These are, these yeah. are benign questions, questions related sure. to sport and faith. We'll, yeah. start, we'll start with this one. What's your favorite sport? Tennis. Tennis. That was a long answer. Uh, that was a, a long pause before the answer. So there obviously are some competitors, huh? Yeah, there definitely are. So we'll say tennis. Forehand or backhand? Forehand. Always? Well, I've got a, I have to say I have a pretty wicked backhand slice. <laughs> so that's a one-handed backhand, I'm guessing, not a two-hander over the top? Yeah. Well, the, the slice is one hand, but, you know, you you got to use two when you're doing the topspin thing. At least I do. I agree. Doubles or singles? I'd say doubles. Favorite pro athlete? <gasps> oh, golly. Favorite pro athlete. Um, gosh, that's a... My goodness. Um, is Serena Williams well, on your list? Is what? Serena, Serena Williams? Yeah, that's a tennis... Uh, a lover of Serena, tennis. Serena Williams is on my list, but I I have a I actually have a lot of um, favorite female uh, uh, pro athletes and and some in soccer. Um, so um, I like uh, Megan Rapinoe on the U.S. Mm. Women's National mm -hmm. Team. Uh, there's there's some great players out there. There certainly are. That's a difficult question. No shortage of answers there. Exactly. All right, a little bit closer to home. Favorite Stanford team. Women's soccer. Mm -hmm. A lot of success there. Catch us up there. Uh, what? How is the women's soccer team right now at Stanford? Uh, they're they're doing extremely well. They're they're ranked uh, number one in in the country, and uh, they they seem to be on a pretty good trajectory uh, as we hope to get back to the College Cup and uh, possibly uh, possibly win it. They're in good 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 position to do so. So you're a bandwagon fan. <laughs> I am sort of a bandwagon fan, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, I have to Go say, Red Sox. I, uh, <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's more fun that way, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Got to get a little invested. I have to say we have, I, I do have to get a sh give a shout out to our women's sports here at Stanford. They are really tremendous. 
uh, so many of these teams. It's it's hard to hard to narrow it down to one. They they do some. We've got some great women's teams here. It, it's it's truly remarkable. I think in some of the what we call Olympic sports or non-revenue generating sports, how well Stanford has done uh, both genders, uh, all all kinds of teams, which is which is great. Okay, yeah. next question. Favorite sports day or sporting event? Um. Well, here you go. It's it's going to be uh, World Cup soccer, mm. women's World mm-hmm. Cup soccer. Nice. We are we are in the the midst of. Uh, the three-year period in between, and yet uh, so exciting for the United States to have a soccer team that um, is relevant, is relevant, and oftentimes <laughs> is is in the thick of it for the absolutely yeah. for the championship. Yeah. Uh, last question: You who have been able to combine uh, sports and faith and intellectual activity mm-hmm. have probably, in some sense, kind of a dream job for a lot of uh, a lot of people who are inclined, like Brian and I are. But I wonder if we look back to uh, Joanne Sanders before she was the Reverend Doctor getting yeah. a BS in physical education, secondary education. Yeah. What was the dream job? Wow. You know, I, um, I'm a first-generation college student in my family. I, I wasn't raised in a place, um, you know, that, that, that education was not, college education was not really even in my um a, a model or, or in, a, in a visionary scope for me. But I have to say, you know, it was teaching, uh, some mm. aspect of teaching. And uh, when I figured that out, because I was so influenced by teachers and coaches in my young life, um, I thought I, I could see that, and so I wanted to be that. And um, that's, you know, I hope that that's where um, the trajectory of my life would take me. Well, thanks so much, uh, Joanne, for taking this time with us. Thanks for your very insightful and thoughtful responses and opening up new conversations for us. We, uh, we enjoy having people on who have spent some time thinking about issues of sport, faith, and life and how they intersect and uh, some of the complexities. And yet, at the same time, are, are great lovers uh, of sport and enjoy uh, being just a part of the regular conversation. So thank you so much for being willing to answer those questions. We didn't ask you about Jim Harbaugh, so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're free of, of that question, and we're very uh, we're happy you sent him. I think most Michigan fans are happy he's been sent in this direction. Um, you know, he well, took a small stop in San, Diego, uh, San Francisco, but... Yeah, yeah. I think he's probably in the right place. I think Jim uh, probably found a a good spot for himself being there in Michigan. That's a good way to put it. We will take Uh that with all of the obscurity (laughs) in which it was offered. Awesome. (laughs) Well, thank Uh, you very much. Uh, And we will, uh, we we do encourage you to uh, just uh, participate in our conversation and and come to the Global Conference if you're able to. Thank you very much. And I want to thank our Daily Bread again for putting us uh, in this position to be able to have this podcast. Pay pay attention and stay tuned next time for other episodes of Dig Deep, the podcast about sport, faith, and life. Thank you both very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Joanne. Okay. Take good care.